0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 101. It's just me today, and I'm going to be talking about some rut stuff, some rut strategy, and then I'll get into what I think are going to be the best days this year. Obviously, the rut takes place at the same time every year, but the weather determines a lot whether or not there'll be we'll see that activity during the daylight or at night, so I'm going to talk about that based on kind of the weather forecast right now, what days I would be looking at, what days I am looking at for myself and maybe for you too especially in a situation where maybe you got to take vacation days or you got a couple that you can take, um, got a couple days for you that I think would be good. But before we get into all that, don't forget about our partners for the podcast, one of those being Grandpa Ray Outdoors. You you guys went back and planted your food plots with this Grandpa Ray Outdoors. That's where I would tell you to be sitting right now because the does are going to be hammering it and then the bucks are going to be coming downwind of that to check them and find out which ones are coming in heat here over the next week. But if you didn't, next year, you can go to Grandpa Re Outdoors and check them out. I'll tell you a little bit about them. They specialize in providing the best nutrition for white-tailed deer on your property, starting with the soil. They've got a full line of high-quality food plot seed and plant foods. They've got over 14 different food, uh, food plot blends to choose from, so you're not going to have any trouble finding what you're looking for. Whether you want the traditional fall or spring blends, a food plot seed, or you want grains like corn and beans, they've got switchgrass, they've got liquid fertilizer too, they have soil test kits, you name it. When it comes to food plots, they've pretty much got it. They're not just about selling their products though. They're going to answer any questions you have about what blends would be best for your specific property. That way you can achieve the best results possible. So they're not going to tell you to plant the same thing in northern Iowa as they would southern Georgia. Just they have different blends that are going to work better in different parts of the country, in different climates, and different soil types even, so if you have any questions on that, you can call them and ask them and they're gonna help you out. John and his team don't believe in a cookie cutter approach to wildlife nutrition, so they're gonna treat your situation individually. They're just about, you know, good quality seed and taking care of their clients. That's kind of their thing. They don't have fancy labels and packaging like you see on the Walmart shelves, but they got the best customer service in the game, and some of the best seed for sure. We've used their blends on our own properties. Uh, I've put them on a lot of client properties. I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of pounds of their seed we've put down, and the results have always been as good as advertised, even on a dry year like this. I got a food plot at the cabin right now that looks pretty good for the amount of rain it got, uh, both of them really, for the amount of rain they got and for how poorly the buckwheat worked out because of the dry summer from it. I mean, I, I couldn't ask for more out of the seed. I'll put it that way. But again, you can check them out at GrandpaRayOutdoors.com. Use the discount code RHO podcast. That's all lowercase, no space, and you get 5% off your entire order there. We're also a dealer for them too, so if you want to save some money on shipping, you can come in the shop or just send us a message and let us know what you want, and we'll get it ordered for you. So our other partner for the podcast is Rodney Hawkins. If you guys are looking for your own piece of ground to manage and hunt, maybe you want to do food plots, but you can't right now because you're just hunting permission and you've always dreamed of buying that farm that you can manage, do what you want with. You need to talk to Rodney. Or maybe you're on the flip side of that. Maybe you've got land that you're wanting to sell and get into something different or just sell it and and downsize. Uh, Rodney's the guy to talk to for that as well. He grew up hunting and fishing in Southern Illinois, and he's now putting that love for the outdoors into selling recreational properties as a land specialist with Midwest Farm and Land. And Midwest Farm and Land isn't your average real estate company. They sold over $85 million worth of ground in 2022. They've got agents like Rodney all over Illinois, so they're really a local company with a national reach. For more information, you can contact Rodney directly at 618-925-3153, and he'll get you taken care of there. He's also got his own company called RG Outdoors, and he's got products from Radix Hunting. That includes their hard and soft-sided blinds and their blind chairs. He's got stick-and-pick products as well. He's got an all-natural scent elimination product called Camo Dust, which we've been using a little bit this year. Fortunately, I haven't had anything downwind of me to know whether or not it works. So we're going to take his word for it. And If you guys want to try it out, you can get some from him. Uh, He's also got Tacticam Trail Cameras also, so he's a dealer for those. If you guys are in the Southern Illinois area and you're wanting some of those, you need to talk to him about that also. And he's adding new stuff all the time. And you can keep up with them. You can send them a message through their Facebook page. That's RG Outdoors. You can email them at rgoutdoors at yahoo.com. Or again, just call him directly at 618-925-3153. Make sure you let them know that we sent you over there. Our social media is Ridge Hunter Outdoors. That's on Instagram and Facebook. Those are the two that we use the most. We do have a Facebook group, private Facebook group called RHO Podcast Patrons. I'm still working on a new name for that. I'm going to hopefully have some time to think about that while I'm sitting in the stand this week. And I'll try to come up with something different, but that's just a group, uh, just another hunting group for you guys, but it's going to be where you can have some input on the podcast as well. You can ask our guest questions when I know enough ahead of time that they're going to be coming on. You can let us know what you want us to talk about, subjects, or even guests that you'd like to hear on the podcast. All that kind of good stuff is on RHO Podcast Patrons Facebook group. It just asks you a couple of questions and you answer those and you're in. So our website is ridgehunteroutdoors.com. You can get anything on there for 10% off with the discount code RHOPOD. And that goes for all of our all-natural scents. You know, it is a perfect time of year to be using that Buck and Dough Tarsal Spray. The dough stuff is going to be estrous here in another week or two probably. Uh, as the doughs start coming in, that will have some estrus element to that scent. So if that's what you're looking for, that's what you need to get. And it's, it's all-natural stuff too. Though. I don't put any additives or preservatives in it. It's not uh, leftover year over year. I mix it fresh. Try to do about a batch a week, and it's one deer per bottle. So it's not a bunch of different deer scents mixed into one bottle either. It's unless you're getting the calming spray uh, with the buck and doe tarsal spray. It's just tarsal gland scent from one one specific deer. You now the calming spray is taken from different glands from does and fawns. That way, it just kind of gives the the deer an idea that there are other deer in the area and that way it calms them down a little bit and we've had some good results from that stuff as well so any of that our apparel on the website we do have our own food plot blend the clover and chicory so springtime rolls around you want to try that use that discount code it's rhopod again all caps no space and you can get 10 percent off your entire order if you're listening on apple Podcasts or spotify go ahead and leave us a review or a rating we really appreciate that it helps us out and uh All kinds of charts and stuff like that. Uh, The more reviews we get, the better we do on those. And that helps us out big time. And you don't even have to spend any money that way. I appreciate everybody who has already left us a review or rating on Spotify and Apple. I love seeing them. Uh, Even if they're bad ones, go ahead and leave them. Let us know how we can get better. YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's Rich Hunter Outdoors. Make sure you hit the notification bell. That way you know when stuff comes out. We're creeping up on 1,000 subscribers, so we're really excited about that. we got the show going, of course, Fall Pursuit. We'll have a new episode out tomorrow night. And then every Tuesday, uh, I would say through the end of the season, but at least through part of December, I would think we'll have an episode out. I'm not 100% sure when we'll stop that yet. But if you subscribe and hit the notification bell, you'll know when they come out. So we're also doing some other videos on there, and we post the podcast there as well. So if you don't have Spotify or Apple, you want to listen on YouTube, there you go you can do that too so without anything else to talk about let's get into some rut stuff i mean it's that time of year november is this week and we've got some awesome weather it's time to get excited this is the time of year we all been waiting on since since it was here last year so let's get into some talk about the rut this is the rich hunter outdoors podcast All right, so we're going to start with an article from North American Whitetail. And this is the August hunting annual edition. So we're throwing it back a little bit. But it's got some rut stuff in there. I actually covered part of this article, the first part of it before. I don't remember exactly the episode. I could go back and look. I think it may have been a Full Draw Friday episode, actually. But I covered the first part of it. And it's the best tree stand locations by season by Josh Honeycutt. So it's a really good kind of breakdown of where you should be looking to put your stands, you know, depending on the season that we're rolling into. And he's got early season pre-rut and then we're going to talk about the rut today cuz we are technically still probably kind of in pre-rut. You know, especially in the southern part of Illinois and as farther you go south, it, you know, it's a couple of days here or there that it changes. But the rut's kicking in like probably this week we'll start seeing a lot of that activity coming. So, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about his stand locations for the rut. And he also talks about the type of tree that you should pick for your stand and, you know, making sure you have the right tree matters almost as much as being there at the right time. And especially if you can find, you know, if you can find a really good tree, you don't even have to be 20 foot off the ground. You know, if you can get 10 foot off the ground and have cover behind you and stay still, you're going to be just fine. If you're, you know, if you have to get up 20, that's fine too. But if you can find the right tree that's going to give you some back cover uh, or as at least as wide as you are, you know, if you don't have a lot of limbs or something on it, you, I think getting skylighted is one of the, the biggest things that gets missed because we think about what's in between us and the deer but not what's, about, about what's behind us. So you also have to think about your backdrop and that deer being able to see your silhouette up in the tree. So if you don't have that, at least get you a tree that's big enough that uh, can cover your silhouette when the deer are looking up at you in the tree. But if not, you know, I mean, if you can't find that tree, try to find one with some of those. Maybe it's got a little tree beside it, some little limbs on it. And then, again, you don't even have to be that high in the tree. We actually did a whole podcast on that a while back about different types of trees and stuff you can get into. But furthermore, we'll get into uh, this rut portion of this article. He says, Ah, the one time of year that whitetail actively seek love. It's a period frustrated bucks have been waiting for And most of them aren't about to miss it. However, if hunters use the wrong tactics and stand locations, they will miss the bucks. The first one he talks about is the rut funnel. Deer usually travel the path of least resistance. Funnels allow deer to easily navigate from A to B without crossing over or through adjacent obstacles that are difficult to traverse. During the rut, when whitetail bucks are covering more ground, these can be excellent spots to intercept cruising bucks. So we talk about rut funnels all the time. You hear that rut funnel, rut funnel from guys that are talking about stand locations for this time of year. And there's a reason for it, It's because they're good. But, you know, understanding what it actually is is a whole other thing. And he talks about the path of least resistance there. That's a big thing also. As we think about the path of least resistance, well, I could just walk across this bean field, and that would be just as easy. But in a deer's world, they have to have some cover still. So their path of least resistance might be walking through, you know, six-foot weeds instead of, a bunch of autumn olives that are all grown together. So it might still be resistance, but it's the least amount where they still have cover as opposed to them walking completely out in the open. So it's not necessarily going to be the absolute least resistance. And another thing when you're talking about that is not just brush and things, but also terrain features like he's talking about there. That's a big one. If you have bluffs, a river, a deep creek, uh, or even a big ditch that they don't like crossing, if you can get where that stuff narrows down, especially like a bend in a river where the timber narrows down beside it and they can't really be on, they have to be on that side of it to have cover and they don't want to be out in that field. That's a good little pinch point funnel where you just think about just like a funnel where there's the big open end of it where the deer are all moving, kind of going towards the same direction, the same area. And then where it narrows down at the end of that funnel is where those terrain features kind of come together and close up. And it forces those deer to walk through that path Instead of having to go down that big steep riverbank or a big rocky bluff that they can't go down, something like that. Even just, you know, big changes, drastic changes in elevation. It doesn't even have to be like a rock bluff or something really steep, uh, like straight up and down steep. It can be just a, a pretty harsh hill that they necessarily may not necessarily want to climb if they have somewhere else to go. Um, it can be timber that's wide and then narrows down that literally looks like a funnel. All that kind of stuff is what we're talking about with that, you know, kind of forcing them into an area. It's not necessarily just about path of least resistance, but it's also about, you know, where that cover forces them to be. So just, it forces the the main part of the movement to go down in this little narrow area. And what that does is allows you to sit there and not only have a shot at the deer, but you're going to see more deer because more of them have to move through that space. They don't have to, but that's where they're going to want to move. So that's kind of the idea behind the funnel. Uh, and that's why they're such good places to be right now, because the bucks are up moving more, so they're going to be using those places more in the daylight. Because again, they have to have cover, especially during the daylight. Just because they're out running around in the rut, unless they're right on the tail of a doe, and for some reason she takes off across that open field, they're still going to be pretty calculated about their movements, and they still got their wits about them when it comes to cover. If they're cruising, especially, like I said, if they're just on a hot doe, they're gonna—they may do all kinds of crazy stuff, but. For the most part, they're still going to stick to what they know, and that's edges and that's cover, and you can get them in those, those little pinch points and those funnels, and that's a really good spot to set up your stands. So he goes on, he says, the next one is the sensical crossing. Certain terrain types discourage or prohibit deer from crossing. Other types, deer merely establish a good point of crossing that is adopted by the herd. Some of these locations include, similar to the rut funnels, Bluffs, rivers, ditches, fences, walls of vegetation, and more. Crossings that are likely to be used during daylight quickly become solid stand locations. So it's very similar to those funnels. It's maybe not necessarily uh, where it it narrows down, where they have to move through there, but it's where, say, that riverbank gets less steep, and that's where they're crossing it. So he's not necessarily talking about the funnel now where it pinches them down into a certain area, but he's talking about where they're actually crossing that terrain feature. Saddles uh, in some, like especially deep southern Illinois, or even just a little bit northwest of us where you get in some real hilly country, those saddles up there where the two ridges kind of meet, that's another place that's going to be one of those sensical crossings he's talking about. Obviously ditches, the the end of a big ditch, is going to be another good place where they're going to cross that. And these are things that you're going to see because a uh, 90% of the deer or whatever are going to use this point of crossing. It's the the good old Creek crossings that we all know where you see all the tracks in it and you throw up a camera on it and you see them crossing it all the time. That's what he's talking about here. So again, it's similar idea to a funnel or a pinch point, but this is just where they're crossing that terrain feature. So they may go through a funnel because they can't cross the river, but at some point they're going to want to get across it. So they find these crossings or a bluff for that for that matter. Anything like that, those terrain features where they got the place to cross. And he mentions a fence there too. Maybe it's a gap in a fence, a hole in a fence that's just easier for them to get through, especially if it's a real thick area and they don't have a way to really jump over the fence or maybe it's a really thick area and it's the only place they can jump over the fence. Those are the kind of crossings that he's talking about when he's talking about that. He goes on, the next one is the best doe bedding. He says, bucks and does sometimes bed in the same areas, but generally they are segregated. During the rut, doe bedding areas become more attractive to bucks. They move from one doe group or family to the next in search of receptive females, making these doe bedding areas solid options for the rut. So he's not necessarily talking even still about bucks bedding with the does, but he's talking about the does still bedding in the same places and the bucks coming to check on them, going from one bedding area to another, to find which does are receptive, which does are in heat and ready to be bred. So he's going to be going mostly on the downwind side of those. He might cut through the middle of them. Doe trails that are leading to those bedding areas, like major trails, if you have several of those, he's going to be wanting to cut those and catch, you know, that way he can smell the most amount of trails in the shortest amount of time possible especially the shortest distance. If you have an area, you know, again, similar to those pinch points where the trails kind of intersect or meet, that's going to be a good place where he's probably going to be cutting those doe trails just like he would, you know, going from bedding area to bedding area, um, the doe bedding areas. That way he can check and see which one of those does that are coming in heat, which group is more likely to come in first, which is kind of what we talked about with Steve on episode 100 was finding those doe bedding areas that have the most buck sign around them, and that's probably going to be the first ones that are going to get hot during the rut. So if you've found those, make sure you mark them and know where they're at, and that's going to be a good place. And that's what kind of uh, Josh is talking about in this article as well. And the next one he says is the best buck bedding. So he says, just because it's the rut doesn't mean bucks won't continue to use their preferred bedrooms. Uber mature bucks commonly rut and move only at night. And if they aren't with an estrus doe, they'll return to their proven sanctuary of bedding cover. So, don't overlook the best bedding area just because it's the rut. Deer will still be there. So, like I said, the bucks, just because it's the rut doesn't mean they're completely going crazy. The only time you really see that is if they're right on a hot doe and they know she's close and they don't want to leave her and she does something crazy, then they're probably going to follow her. At that point, they throw a lot of caution to the wind. They may not pay as much attention to the wind. As normal, they may go across an open field, or that's when they make that mistake that allows you to get a shot at them. But most of the time, they're still going to stick to what they know. And not only is that with the cover that I was talking about earlier and their travel corridors, but it's also with their bedding areas. If they know they're safe somewhere, they're not going to change that just because it's the rut. They still got to come lay down at some point, and like he's talking about, especially on the days that are a little warmer most of that activity is taking place at night. And even still on the the colder days, uh, most of the act- rutting activity is happening at night. It's just the way the deer are made. They'd rather do that stuff at night under cover of darkness because they feel more secure. So, you know, those the best days that we have where, man, the rut's really kicking and we're seeing bucks chasing. That's when that does happen during the daylight. But that's happening at night, almost all the way through the rut. Uh, deer are running around chasing. They're just, again, doing it more at night because they like the cover of that darkness. But... Back to the main point here, they like what they know. They're going to stick to those bedding areas where they know they're safe. So if you know where that buck is living and where he's bedding, his area, his his range might change during the daytime. His range might change at night when he's moving and how far he's actually moving. But he's still coming back to that same bed more than likely or at least a similar, you know, same area, same general area. That's still where he's going to be when it comes to his bed. So make sure you still keep an eye on those. Again, especially on those warmer days where you're not expecting a lot of movement during the daytime here in the rut. If you can crash in on one of his bedding areas, not get too close, but get close enough that when he does get up, maybe maybe you catch him before dark. Or maybe he gets up and just wanders off to eat a little bit, and then that's when you catch him. Uh, but that's, that's another good strategy for the rut. That's really a good strategy all year. The last one he talks about is the weird rut spot. And this is an interesting one, and I, I like this one because you know, you guys have probably seen it too, but you see it every year where these bucks end up in odd spots, and you wonder why. He says here, the rut is a time when deer do things they don't throughout the rest of the year. This includes inhabiting areas that are visually void, virtually void of deer at other times. There's a rhyme to the reason, though. Mature bucks understand the rut, and they commonly push does to oddball spots to get estrus females away from competing bucks. Spots that check this box include brush piles, fence rows, small pockets of timber deer don't usually use, and more. So those those spots that you just would not expect deer to be, you don't see deer there the whole rest of the year, and then all of a sudden on November 14th, there's a buck standing out there with a the doe. He knows that deer don't use that as well. Like There's a reason they don't use it. That's why he doesn't use it. So he knows that if he finds him a doe, especially the more mature bucks, he can push her over there to that off fence row or the end of a fence row by a road or that little patch of nastiness on a slope of a hill where the farmers maybe not be able to to plant anything just because it's kind of too steep, like an elevation change maybe on the edge of a field, a little pocket of timber you know that has never been cut. Maybe it's got a pond in it or something where you just never see deer. There's no reason for them to go there any other time of year. Those are where you're going to see them. And this especially happens during the lockdown. You're going to see them out there, you know, that, again, that November 13th to 18th kind of range, depending on where you're at somewhere in there, maybe up to the 20th. When they're locking down with the does and, you know, the does are, there's more does that are ready and receptive. And they can push them to those spots. And that's when you don't see them cruising a lot. They're not moving a lot. They're just staying with that one doe and they're not going anywhere. That's where they're going to take them. Most of the, I mean, not most of the time, but a lot of times they will take them to those places. Uh, Middle of a CRP field where they don't normally bed is another one where they might just push a doe out there and hang with her. And then they can keep her away from those other bucks. It's just something that mature deer know from years of of doing this and going through the rut. And I think it's something obviously they they instinctively do just to kind of get away from competition. And these are are places where you can find deer that you wouldn't normally find them the rest of the year. And it can make for a really cool hunt. You know, a lot of times these are places where if you've got the right wind and you can get them, get glass on them and find out where he's facing, what direction they're both facing. If they end up facing the same direction, then you can get in there and put a, a stock on them. That could be really fun if the wind's right, you know. Uh, or just it's a great time to be out there glassing and finding them like that too. Cause again, they're going to be in places that are, are probably, you can probably see them from a long ways off. And part of that is, is that they want to be able to see too, to see those other bucks that are coming. But it's just it's just because most of the time there's not a good way to get there with cover. That's why the deer aren't there most, you know, the rest of the year. And that's the spots that they like to pick. So it can offer a lot of good opportunities, especially in one of the tougher times to hunt in those spots. And you don't even necessarily have to have a stand there. But like he's saying, you can and, and definitely have the potential for success. So that's going to cover it for that part of Josh's article. I may come back. He's got the late season on there as well. We may revisit that here, you know, in the latter part of December. We'll see how that all goes. But for right now, we're still focusing on the rut because, like I said earlier, this is what we all wait for every year. This is the time of year we're thinking about, and I've said it <clears throat> I don't know how many times in the past week just looking at the forecast, but this has the the makings of the best first week of November we've had in a while. Just the cold front that's moved through. I did go this morning. It was a little slow where I was at, but... It's going to be even colder tomorrow morning. we got high pressure. It's going to be sunny, low wind tomorrow, so you could probably get just about anywhere and get away with it in these mornings that are coming up. If you've got 5-mile-an-hour wind or less, you know, depending on the terrain you're hunting, if you're flat, if you're on top of a ridge, you can catch those thermals going up and you can get in there. Even on if the wind says like 4 miles an hour out of the west and you need an east wind to hunt that place, you can probably get in there and hunt it with those thermals pulling up at least until the day winds pick up or the thermals start to settle out, you know, in the afternoon time. So remember that as well when it comes to these next few mornings. But what I want to talk about is what I think are going to be probably some of the best days, at least for, as far as I can see on the weather forecast, which kind of covers what is usually the best part of the rut after, you know, after the 15th, It can be hit or miss because that's when the lockdown starts to kick in across the Midwest, again, depending on where you're at, north and south especially. And then our gun season is right around the 17th, 18th. I think it might be the 17th this year is the first day. And, you know, that changes everything for us. Now, if you're up in Iowa and you're lucky enough to not have the gun season until December, then that doesn't affect you as much. But the lockdown surely still does. So anyway, the weather forecast is kind of covering what, what tends to be the best days right now. And I think the second and the third, I'm sorry, the first and the second are supposed to be like 22 degrees the morning of the first. So that would be Wednesday morning and it's only supposed to get up to 46. So I think that could be a good morning and evening day. And you know, we're going to start seeing a move midday too. So if you're looking for an all day sit, if you got good warm clothes, that could be a potential day there. You know, I like to, if I'm going to do an all day sit, it's usually towards the back part of this. Or if I'm hunting during the lockdown, you know, like that 15th to 19th range, if it's not gun season yet, those are when I'll do my all day sits most of the time, even as early as the 10th, maybe just depending on what I'm seeing on trail cameras. But if you do want to do an all day sit earlier in November, you know, I could see the second being, or the first being a good day to do that. And the second as well, you know, it's the other day I have wrote down here. And obviously these ones aren't ones I'm talking about necessarily for vacation days because it's like two days away and not everybody has the luxury of being able to put vacation in that soon. And you may not have the luxury of being able to put it in for the next week either, but if you do, that's kind of what I'm going to talk about. Um, so the second look is looking good too. It's supposed to be like 24 that morning. It's going to warm up a little bit and be 54. They're giving Ohio 54 for that afternoon. So 30 degree temperature change there. Not sure how that's going to affect him exactly. It might slow him down a little bit, but 54 is still not all that warm, especially for the rut. So I don't see that being enough to subdue movement. And that's something I was talking about actually with Blake earlier today because he has next week off. In the beginning of next week, it's supposed to be like 64, 65, which is warm for the time of year, and it's obviously warmer than it's going to be this week. But I don't think it's warm enough to be – I don't think it's going to be warm enough to subdue the rut activity if they're going to be moving during the day, especially for the days that that's going to be, and that's then that's going to be like the fifth through the eighth, ninth somewhere in there. Those are going to be always good days to be in the woods, no matter how warm it is. But I think the second, the first and second have the potential to be better, and then on the back side of that, I think there's a few days there that have potential to be better as well, just based on the weather. And that's, that's a big thing because even though it is the rut, like I, I've talked about, if you can get good weather with the rut, why not take advantage of that if you have the opportunity, if you can, if you have the freedom to take your vacation days or maybe you take an early afternoon leave out and go hunting in the evening or maybe you work late and go out and hunt the next morning or something like that, whatever you got to do, if you have the flexibility to do that. I don't think the 5th through the 8th right now, looking at the forecast, are going to be the best days to do that. But if you've already taken your vacation for them, I would not be upset about that at all because, again, those are, those are always good days to have the potential to be good days to see mature buck movement, no matter how warm it is. You know, I had days last year where it was 74, 75 degrees or whatever right in that time span, you know, somewhere 5th through the 10th and had deer moving in the middle of the day. So you just never know during the rut. So don't be discouraged. I'm just talking about what days I think are going to be best. And I think probably, and in my experience here, in southern Illinois especially, and that's going to change as well, and your forecast is going to change too. So I'm talking about kind of locally here in southern Illinois on these forecasts. Uh, If you're in Iowa, obviously it's going to be a little bit different. You're going to get this weather a little bit before us. You're probably seeing the really cold today. I didn't check it. I should have. Uh, And then as the farther south you go, obviously you're probably going to see this a couple days after. But that also, in my opinion, goes for the kind of the activity of the rut because – You know, the the daylight times do change a little bit. And, you know, I think just just being a little farther south changes a couple days one way or the other, what they're doing during the rut. Peak of breeding is still going to be that 15th to 20th somewhere in there. But I think the, like down here, I think our lockdown happens just a little bit after it does in, you know, southeast Iowa, for example. So that's why I like, like that ninth, right around Veterans Day. You know, a couple days either way of Veterans Day. Uh, last year, the best week I've ever had was the, the week of the 13th through the 17th. I shot those two bucks, uh, I think the 14th and the 17th. I saw the one I shot on the 17th on the night of the 16th as well. I saw good deer movement the night before I shot the the buck on the 14th. But anyway, I've I've always had my best luck in November, right around Veterans Day, with seeing mature bucks moving. And this year I think is gonna be gonna be the same, especially looking at the weather forecast. I think that the ninth and tenth have the potential to be the best days of the rut for us where we're at. Now, obviously this week looks awesome too. This weekend had potential to be really good, but it was pretty wet, like it rained all weekend where we were at pretty much. There was a break maybe Sunday morning and a tiny break, you know, Sunday afternoon. But it was pretty much just a wash, literally and figuratively, this weekend. So there is always a chance that things are going to change. But I think that ninth through 12th, 13th is going to be really good looking at the weather. And if I had the flexibility to do it, and you can't take this anything off this week because you waited too long, or they need like a week in advance or a week and a half, whatever it is, then I would either take the 9th and 10th off that Thursday, Friday, and you give yourself a four-day weekend that way, Go 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th are weekend days, Saturday, Sunday. I think those could be really good. Or if you can't take off that Thursday, then get the 13th. Which is just that Monday after Veterans Day. And maybe if you have a day off for that anyway, you could you know pick up a day around that. And then you'll have to take one day off. Or just go ahead and take two, and then you have a five-day weekend. But those are the days I would be looking at right now. If you still have the opportunity to put in for them and you haven't done so yet, I would probably shoot for the ninth and tenth first. That Thursday, Friday looks like it's going to be really good. It's supposed to be lows down in the 30s, highs in the 50s, uh, maybe 40s one day, and then the weekend's looking pretty good there too. So those are the days that I would take off. You know, if I was in a spot where I had to do that, um, that's that's what I'd be looking at. And I've got those dates circled on my calendar as well because I have other commitments and stuff too, where I kind of got to pick and choose days, even even doing what I do. So I'm gonna. Really try to get in there on those days if I can. And I'm going to hit it pretty hard this week. So that's all I got for you guys for this week. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you took something out of it, learned something from Josh, if not from me. And think about those days for the rut. And let us know what your favorite days are too. Like send us a message or comment on this wherever if you're on YouTube. Or if you see it posted on Facebook. Leave a comment and just tell us what your favorite days are. I know Nate's is like the 5th. He's had a lot of luck on the 5th. Jeff really likes Halloween which is tomorrow, which looks like it could be really good again. I like, like I said, I like right around veterans day. That seem that tends to be my favorite. Um, uh, so it, it kind of varies. Everybody has their own experiences. So let us know what your favorite days are. Always love hearing from you and we appreciate you guys tuning in. You know, we talked about it last week. We're in triple digits now on the podcast. We've had a couple of really good months with it as far as you guys listening go. So we're excited about where it's headed, where we've came, come from. And, uh, what's to come next so we'll try to get a guest on here next week for you guys but other than that get out there and get after them make sure you're wearing your safety harness be smart about your entry and exit don't throw caution to the wind just because it's the rut because the deer aren't going to either so get out there after them spend some time in the woods good luck and we'll catch you guys in the next one